it's Joe Gerard with the Sales Hero Podcast. We're going to learn some cool stuff about psychology, influence, neuroscience, how to create those repeatable systems, best practices, and building your bulletproof mindset. You can also find me on my blog at joegerard.ca and at saleshero.academy.com. Now today, I'm going to be talking about how to learn faster, how to make yourself be better consistently over time, and also, more importantly, we're going to talk about how your brain is most likely sabotaging your success without you knowing it. This is also a blog post, so you can check out the link as well for more content. And remember, it's all about keeping things simple, having fun, and getting back to just helping more people buy from you. And it's awesome that you're here and willing to do the hard work on improving yourself to make an impact for others. So let's get started. Hey, welcome. Today we're talking about how to learn faster. And more specifically, I'm going to be focusing in on some things that are happening in our brains all the time. These forces that are at play that most likely are holding you back from, from getting better, from holding you back from, you know, learning, from improving your processes and probably sabotaging a lot of your efforts. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. And the big question I'll start with is how many times have you gone back and look at something that you've done from before? and go to yourself, what was I thinking? What was I doing? I thought I was doing better than that, but for some reason, it's not what I thought it was. And so, you know, I do this sometimes myself is when I'm listening to calls that I've done or I'm listening to calls with teams and I go back and I say, wow, that was a really good call. And then I re-listen to it. I'm like, I'm just rambling. When I do these podcasts or any recordings, I go back and listen. Maybe, like I said before, it's like this narcissistic approach, but it's really, really helpful to go back and say, Man, I sound like like I'm a crazy person that that this doesn't make sense at all. And so we go back and we review these calls, we do any maybe quizzes or tests or just when you've like you tried to restate something that you were talking about before and didn't it go better in your head when you were doing it and then listening to it again you're going, "What is going on? What was I thinking? What happened? Why did I say that? Why would I ask that question?" And so that's what we're going to talk about today is is what's going on in our brains. And more importantly, what you can do, a few simple ways to take back control. So the other day, um, for me, I was on a sales call. I thought it went really, really well. And I, it, it was pretty good. You know, at the end of it, uh, I hung up the phone and we have a next step. We've got commitment. I think it went pretty good. Then I talked to a friend of mine. We were talking about, we, we always talk business. And I was saying, oh, you know, the sales call went good. Here's what happened. And then it went like this and went like that. And I thought, hey, that feels pretty good. And then I talked to somebody else about it. And what I caught myself because I've been studying this stuff, I caught myself doing exactly what I'm going to be talking about today. Each time I told that story, it got a little bit better. It got a little bit better. It's almost like that telephone game. By the end of it, it's a completely different story. So now by you know the 10th time I tell this story about this sales call, maybe it's got tons of drama and intrigue and maybe danger. There's a hero, right? All of this stuff is happening. But at the end of the day, if I go back and listen to that call, it's probably just pretty good. I, I probably did a good call, but nothing compared to how I'm going to overinflate it after 10 times retelling it. So that's the thing is that do you ever catch yourself doing that. Um, you know, believing in your own hype. We see it happen all the time. Facebook, social media is we've got this overinflated sense of self. And so as I've been working with my teams and with clients and, and reviewing, we've been relentlessly reviewing sales calls uh, and we've been bringing some major aha moments to the conversation uh, about how we learn, how we can learn to improve ourselves faster and also how I learn. So to learn any of this stuff faster, it really just first starts with... Um, understanding what you're missing because you're observing. So observation is really the key here. So there's a thing that's called um, the above average effect. 
And that is our ability to sort of overestimate our abilities. And it's very common in the things that we do every day. And I've mentioned before, there's a great book that I'm reading called Subliminal, and it's how our unconscious mind rules your behavior. And for me, I love studying this stuff because it's bringing to light all of this stuff that probably you intuitively know about yourself, but couldn't quite put your finger on it. So this this is like all about the sort of weird and, and wild things that our brain does that we don't really know. So this above average effect is is all about these studies around how it's totally common for us to just simply think that we're better than we are. And so, for example, they studied one million high school seniors and they were asked to judge their ability to get along with other people. And so 100% of them rated themselves at least average. 100%, at, at least I'm average at being able to get along with other people. 60% rated themselves in the top 10%. And 25% rated themselves in the top 1%. And when asked about their leadership skills, only 2% assess themselves as below average. Think about that for a sec. A bunch of high school kids, a million high school seniors, all think that they're absolutely wonderful at getting along with others. Have you ever hung out with a bunch of high school kids? Let's just talk about it for a sec, right? So this is also happening in professionals as well, in in the professions that we have, in in the CEO's ability to overestimate how well they're performing and all this kind of stuff. They did this study with physicians who were diagnosing patients um, as having pneumonia. They reported an average of 88% confidence in their diagnosis, but they were only proved correct 20% of the time. This is all 88% versus the 20% truth. So that's what I want you to think about for a sec. In your day-to-day, how often are you overestimating things? How often are you overconfident in what you think is really going on? And that overconfidence can get us into trouble. Even though you know on an intellectual level what's right, often your brain is thinking otherwise. And now the funny part about what now, you know, uh, I try and pronounce his name, Mladenov, uh, he writes, is that we have this ironic tendency also to recognize this overinflated self-assessment and overconfidence and understand that it's a problem, but only in other people. We don't really, we don't really think it's our own problem. We know that people do this all the time. We go, oh, look at how much those people are overestimating how well they're doing. So the, I love the quote that he has is, we even overestimate our ability to resist overestimating our abilities. Think about that. It's crazy to me that we, like, we're constantly doing this. We know it's out there, but we don't think it happens to us. So it all boils down to the fact that our ego fights extremely hard to defend our honor. And it's going to do everything to keep that honor. And so it's going to help keep us feel powerful. So it's good that we have this great ego that makes us feel good, but it's also bad at the same time because it kind of makes us blind to what's really going on. So there's a really cool thing that, that I've been teaching people is that our brain has these two personalities at play. It's the lawyer and the scientist. And so this is, you know, when we're, when we're misguided in our self-awareness, as part of this sort of quest I'm talking about to learn things faster, let's talk about this. Let's talk about these two forces. So, so there's a psychologist, his name's uh, Jonathan Haidt, and he explains that we approach truth from two different ways, from the scientist. Uh, way of thinking and the lawyer way of thinking. And so as a, as a scientist, you go out and you gather evidence, right? You seek out irregularities, you create those theories and, and around your observations. And then what you do is you go and test those ideas. You go test those theories and you're just trying to make sure that they're right. And you're constantly looking for ways to improve on those theories. On the other hand, 
um, you've got that lawyer and the lawyer just starts with a conclusion and does everything in its power to convince others of that conclusion, convince ourselves of that conclusion. Then we seek out evidence to support it while really making sure we discredit anything that doesn't support our conclusion. And what I want to share with you is, so we know that those are both happening in, in, in sort of conjunction, but the big thing is not either one of those are wrong. So you must be aware that this is happening. Okay, so you have this lawyer and the scientist, not one is wrong, not one is right, but our brain is really good at being a scientist, but an absolutely phenomenal lawyer. <laughs> so think about that. That's what's going on is we're good at understanding facts and figures and theories, but most of the time our brain runs like a lawyer, just trying to make sure that whatever we think we're proving it. So it's that confirmation bias, right? So we often tend to believe in our own BS just because it makes us feel good and it reinforces those positive thoughts. So no one, you know, consciously seeks to find the truth in themselves because it can be uncomfortable. So sometimes we do, but we just don't go after that because it's really hard to do this introspection. We're really good at saying, hey, you know what you should do? You know, you know how you could get better? It's really hard to say, how can I get better, right? So, but at the same time, if you were to just simply believe stats and facts and figures and based everything you did on science, you may not take risks and you may not go after your goals. So we want to embrace that inner scientist and lawyer, but help them become better sort of success partners, better business partners in this whole process. So what this is called, it's called motivated reasoning. Our brain is, um, is really just making sure that everything we're doing has, has reason and is also motivated. And so what they're doing now is there's, oh, I love the fMRI studies. They're studying the brain and showing that um, we're actually creating these unconscious bias when we're making decisions. And that's why I talk about, you know, making decisions based on emotions. When they're studying the brain, this stuff is actually going on. So when our brains assess emotionally relevant information, what it actually does is it includes our wants, our dreams, and desires, whether we like it or not. We think that we make these rational decisions and are strictly intellectual creatures. You know, I, I know what I'm thinking. You know, I know how I'm going to make that decision. Oh, I'll, I'll just, you know, give me the facts. But when this, when they do these brain scans, it actually shows otherwise. So when, when we're looking at this, the studies are showing there's actually a physical mechanism for how we, our brains really deceive us. And so stay with me for a second, a little bit science, but motivated reasoning, motivated reasoning involves a network of brain regions that are not associated with cold reasoning including the orbital cortex and the anterior cingulate cortex, parts of the limbic system. We talk about limbic system with emotions. And the posterior cingulate cortex and precuneus, I can never say that, which are also um, activated when one makes emotionally laden moral judgments. So those two areas, well, those, those bunch of areas are happening all the time when we're trying to analyze what we're going to do next. Keeping in mind, so that's the limbic system and our moral and, and late, uh, moral judgments, emotional judgments, all of that's happening when we're doing things. And so when we're achieving our goals, it's really important that you allow you, you know, yourself to dream and push you out of your comfort zone. But you got to keep in mind that for motivated reasoning to work um, and, and to properly inflate that, that self-image, it must be to the right degree and no further. And so what that means is that for our survival... It's a completely important for us to push ourselves out of our comfort zone and go after these goals and have this motivated reasoning, have this lawyer sense. But if you try and inflate that, that sense of self too far, 
the it, it's um, you're you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to go too far to a degree, and that's what scientists call we want, must maintain this illusion of objectivity. And that's why if you're working, say you're in sales or you're trying to get somebody to take action on something, if you try and push them too far out of that comfort zone and all the way through that learning and excitement zone and they go to that panic zone and it's unbelievable, they won't take action. It now is is not reasonable for them. So you got to be careful when you're asking people to do things or you're trying to get commitment from them. So those forces are are in play is that we've got the scientist brain and the lawyer brain and we're trying to battle those two and so we're trying to reinforce ideas we already have and that's why when I review calls with people when we go through training it's really important that we're able to step out and step uh, into this more objective space one that doesn't have judgment so when I look at when I listen to my own calls that's what I'm looking for is I'm not trying to say I'm a good or bad person I'm just looking at you know did that call follow a framework was that the right thing to say at the right time what can I learn based on the behaviors, based on the conversation framework, based on what we know about the kinds of customers we're working with, what makes more sense? How can we learn from this? So what I want to give you, there's five steps. So how you can learn this stuff faster, how you can get better and better at this stuff. So now you've got this, this, this idea of what's going on. So the first thing you want to do is, is step one, just become a better scientist, right? Be okay with taking the time to look at all the stuff that you're doing. And so for me, like I said, I constantly build all these frameworks and everything I'm doing so that we don't have to expend a whole bunch of extra mental energy trying to figure things out. So the more you have these frameworks, the more like hyper-focused you can get on the specific things, these little pivot points that you can do in conversations. I've been listening to a lot of sales calls and the biggest thing that's happening is people are missing to just ask that one important question. Somebody gives them this you know, nice piece of information and the conversation pivots the wrong way because we missed a cue. So when we bring it back as a scientist and we look at you know, we missed that piece of the conversation. Now we build that back in to the process. So as a scientist, we're constantly testing and improving upon this. And as a lawyer, what ends up happening is that if you don't do that, you finish a call and say, hey, that went pretty good. I like the conversation, how it went. I'm pretty comfortable that that person's coming in. So for anybody that's an experienced sales rep or experienced at your job, naturally, you build this intuition into the things you're doing because of trial and error and you know dealing with rejection and not dealing with that. So you subconsciously have all that in place. But I want you to step away from that and say, how can I build a more scientific approach to the conversations I have and build a framework so I can repeat success and be able to measure my comfort level and my predictability in a much more scientific way. So for me, I use what I call a three-part conversation in all of my sales calls, which starts from making sure I ask the right questions, pausing and, and resisting that urge to solve whatever they tell me, asking a more meaningful question to get to the real answer. We're going to share more about this in another post. But getting to that real answer is the second part, which is that reframe, helping them really come to terms with what we're talking about so that we both see it from all sides. Because if I don't have that part in there and I jump in to try and solve their problem, I know my conversion rates drop because now I'm just trying to sell to them. So that's what I want to get you away from is being this sort of salesperson because you ask the question, help them reframe it, and then solve it together. That's when you bring in the insights and all that stuff. So I follow this three-part conversation and it really helps me just stay sane, right? So when, when we do that, be a better scientist. This is all about step one, right? So when you're doing things over and over, ask yourself these this question with these three words, based on what? Anytime you want to do something new, ask yourself, based on what? Have I done you know 50 calls or have I done 50 of something 
whether you're in sales or not, have I done the, out of these 50 things I did, what can I learn from it? Out of those 50 things, 30 of them went this way, 20 of them went this way, and out of those 25 went this way, and 15 went this way, and I have a pretty good idea of what we can do at each one of these groups. Does that make sense? Good. The second step, be willing to get uncomfortable for yourself and for other people. See, this is the the biggest testament, man, like... I was on a call with some with a with a client, uh, and they have two reps and these these wonderful women um, that I was working with, and uh, they were willing to to spend the hour with me. And we spent we had two calls that we reviewed one, and both were five minutes. So we took thirty minutes on each of these calls to dissect them. I had them on the screen, and I was breaking them down and going, "Okay, what happened here, and what happened there?" And they were willing to just go through these calls with me. And and it was you know we looked at the energy levels, the missed opportunities, these conversational pivots where things took a weird turn or uh, you know uh, something that the 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 customer said that we missed and so when we did that you know the some things went well and some things not so much in those calls and so it's uncomfortable really it's really uncomfortable judging yourself and having somebody judge you it's really easy for me to sit back listen to these calls and just say okay here's all the stuff that I know because I'm not in the moment but by having this call by having this uncomfortable um the conversation, they were actually able to say, oh man, I, one girl was even sad because she picked up on a point where she was actually letting the customer down. She felt bad for what she was doing to them. And probably after that call, she felt it went okay. But now when you actually listen to it, you go, hmm, that's that above average effect. So, you know, both of them are really awesome, well-meaning, intentional people looking to serve their customers. And the thing that I love, I want to, I close that call with them to say your willingness to do this, to, to have me judge you and you to have each other listen to each other's calls and, and do this really uncomfortable work is a massive testament to your commitment to the people that you serve, that the people you speak to, because this work that you're doing right now is the thing that's going to allow you to better help them make the right change in their lives. To create this change and create opportunity, you're willing to do the hard work on yourself. And that's really what I call being a sales hero. That's what this is all about, is being that hero. And kudos to anybody, any of you guys that are doing this work to constantly improve yourself. The third step, record yourself. Um, I do this all the time. As you can hear right now, I'm speaking and I listen back and I go, do I sound like a maniac or does this sound normal? Does this sound weird? We talk often about being a weirdo. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's easy for us to think calls went better than they did. I have an app on my phone. I think it's mainly for Android, but there's lots out there. It's called ACR that I just switch on before I do a sales call. And then I go back and record it for myself um, so I can get better. And most of the time, how I thought it went... It's not how it went. So the closer you can get to what you think it is and what it really is, the more powerful your ability is going to be. The less mental effort you have to expend, then the more you can get done in less time, right? So if I look at my calls, I'm going to, I'm going to concern myself with, you know, when did the, the conversation move from emotion to logic? Did I miss an opportunity to ask the right question? Did I ask the right, the right question, but at the wrong time? Did I interrupt them? Did I do, you know, too many likes and ums? And did I miss an opportunity to, um, you know, be instantly authentic, which we talked about in the last episode? So even if you just record yourself on your smartphone, just as you're talking or practice what you're going to say before you say it, just see really quickly the gaps between how you think you sound, and how you actually sound. And so when I rate calls, when I listen to people, we're all getting into this mindset of, you know, what's our sales weirdness factor? And that factor is the gap between how we sound and how 
and how we think we sound. So how, how you sound in a normal conversation versus this weird person that ends up on the phone talking to other people or in these meetings, right? So that's step number three. Just record yourself. Practice this stuff. Number four, create these constant feedback loops. So, so for everything you do, make sure that you have a way of tracking, measuring, and improving what you're doing. So if you're doing anything, you should have a way to say, okay, how did I do? And if you don't, and just grab a piece of paper, you know, just write it down, rate yourself. You know, what was my level of connectivity with that person? How did I ask the right questions? Was I able to take that conversation deeper when you're talking to staff or when you're talking to anybody Give yourself some kind of a metric to say, hey, this is the one thing that I work on. And all you're trying to do is just simply spot those times that you're weird or not. Spot the amount of times that you're a scientist or a lawyer. Give yourself this weirdness rating. And all you need to do is just pay attention, right? Then just pick one thing that you're going to work on. And number five, the last one is, is have fun with this, right? At first, listening to yourself or asking someone to critique you comes with like this crazy, uneasy feeling of embarrassment, guilt, shame, doubt, and probably a bunch more. But, you know, that's normal. I remember when I used to manage my sales teams, I'd go through and do sales calls. Um, and, and I would say, okay, let me take this call and then we're going to critique it afterwards. And I'd do the call and I'd say, how do you think that went? And they say, oh, that was great. That was awesome. And I said, Cool. I'm glad you liked it, but here's the three things that I missed. I missed this, I missed this, and this is what happened. And I think that if I, I should have asked this question here, but when I said this thing, it wasn't at the right time and I knew I did it, but I can't undo it. And now it became this kind of fun game of trying to make these really much more perfect calls so that we say, hey, I'm really happy with that. I'm gonna give myself an 80% rating. And it just was about removing any emotions or judgments and saying, how can we constantly improve because we're trying to help our customers? And so it was just, really giving ourselves permission to grow through this and it became really fun to constantly work and I, I it was so much fun that you know people would come in and say hey listen to this I really sucked on this call let's review it right now that is just so awesome to make that fun to be able to say I can see when I'm wrong and I want to talk about it how often are you wrong and say I'm just going to ignore this right like a bank account so you know that's really those are the five steps I'll go through them again is become better scientists right? Be willing to get uncomfortable, record yourself doing these things, create the feedback loops and have fun. So I'll just share with you lastly here. I recently partnered with a, an awesome company um, in the education space uh, named Enrollment Resources. So we, you know, we started out doing some small projects, just helping admissions teams uh, do good work in the for-profit sector for education. And then now it's totally grown into this, this big sort of admissions performance institute that we're building. And their motto, their mission is called Pursue the Truth, which I think is just fantastic is that there's, you know, they've got really deep, understanding of their market, but they're willing to say, hey, whatever we know from before doesn't mean that's what it's going to be forever. We want to work with our customers to pursue that truth. So it's really been fun to find those small improvements. It's been fun and refreshing to be able to say, hmm, you know, I'm not sure. Let's find out together. Let's test this and take this scientific approach to what's always been sort of a lawyer type mindset in this space. And so as a consultant and trainer for me, it's great not to just push my ideas on other people, but to solve these things collaboratively. You know, so if you're a rep and you're feeling overwhelmed, this post should help you just sort of 
step away and say, you know what, I get, con- I get to control this. I get to have some clarity and figure out the levers that I can pull in my day to day. And that's exactly what I'm looking for in all the stuff that I do. Just be okay to learn this stuff. And so to learn anything faster, it just requires you to stop doing what you've always done and be 100% honest first. So, you know, that's when the real fun begins. So this is really, this post, this this blog, this, this uh, episode here, the podcast is really about just helping you say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to get better. I'm going to look at these things and I'm going to find ways to constantly improve and I'm going to do it because it's for me and for my customers. So go and try this stuff. Make sure you comment, you know, um, you know, subscribe to the blog, get on this and just let me know how I can help you get better in your day to day. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. You know, whether you're just starting out or you have decades of experience, it's conversations exactly like these that can help you get an edge today and in the long term. You can also find me on my blog at joegerard.ca and salesheroacademy.com. Make sure you share this with your friends and colleagues as well. You know, selling is heroic because nothing happens in a business unless people buy from you. This is why I want to help you just simplify, have fun, and grow. Let's not only talk about these ideas, but take action and do our best work together. When you invest in yourself and just continuously learn how to sell the right way, you are a hero for your customers and for yourself. So join me next time for another episode of the Sales Hero Podcast.